Amen. There we go. <laughs> so, hey, good rule of thumb for everybody. If you forget what to say or run out of things to say, just stop and be done, and you're good. Good job, Jared. Y'all give it up for Jared and the praise team. All right. Miss Chloe, can you run that back to Miss Mallory real quick? Thank you. Hey, I am so glad you guys are here tonight. Um, let me tell you again real quick, just so you kind of know what we're doing each night, okay? Tonight, we've got some team games we're doing outside. We already talked about those teams. Tomorrow night, tomorrow night is messy night, okay? So here's, now, now, let me say this. We are not going as messy as we have in some years. So those of you who die hard in love with the condiment wars, we're not doing that this year, okay? But you do still have, hey, your parents don't want you getting in the car like that. But you do have a chance to get messy. So we do have some messy games and we do have the fire truck coming to hose you off at the end of the night in case you're messy, okay? So that's tomorrow night. Wednesday night is water night. So you need to come in dark clothes that can get wet because you are going to get wet on Wednesday night. I promise you, you will get wet. So you need to come prepared for that. And then Thursday night, y'all remember the, uh, the derby car race we did last year? Yeah, we're doing that again. But here's the deal. All new cars. You can't use what you used last year. So when you leave tonight, you'll be given a brand new car for you to put together and bring on Thursday night, okay? So that's kind of where we're going this week. That's the fun stuff. But here's what we're going to talk about. What we're going to talk about this week is, let me start by asking you a question. If you could be anything in the world, what would it be? What's that? I can't hear you. You're going to be a fridge. Okay, you're going to be a fridge. Okay, so, okay. What's that? A potato? <laughs> He's over there going, I'm a potato. <laughs> All right. So we got a fridge and a potato. That's really weird. Helicopter. Okay, hold on. Let me, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Let's back up. Anything like that you could actually be as a person, maybe a career or something. Sarah, what's that? The richest person in the world. Okay. An animator. Okay. That too. Anybody else? Caleb, a fighter pilot. All right. Now we're getting serious here. Who else? The rest of y'all are like, I have no idea what I want to do. Michaela. The most interesting person in the world. Oh, okay. All right. Anybody else? Something real, not a fridge? A cop? Okay. You already did yours. Next. What's that? An engineer. What kind of engineer? Techno. Okay. So maybe computer engineer, something like that. Anybody else? Has anybody else given this any thought? <laughs> okay. Hold on. Guys. Hey, we got one that just topped all of them. Chloe wants to own a cow. <laughs> Here's the reason I ask you guys that question. The reason I ask you that is because at some point, and, and for those of you who have just graduated or maybe you're getting close to graduation, you're going to get that question a lot. Especially around you know, 12th grade, senior year graduation time, the question keeps happening is, what are you going to do next? Do you know what you want to be? Do you know where you're going to go? Do you know all of these things? And it's a question that you're going to have to think through. You're going to have to decide, hey, what are you going to be one day? 
In fact, there was a time when I was little, when somebody would ask me that question of what I wanted to be, I wanted to be an archaeologist. Y'all know what that is? Everybody know what that is? But I mean, how, how cool would that be to just be digging in the dirt and you find dinosaur bones? I mean, I thought that would be pretty cool. And, and I can't tell you why I thought that was cool. And I have absolutely no desire to do anything like that today. But I thought it was cool at the time. So as time went on, I kept trying to think, how am I going to answer that question? And I decided through middle or well, I wanted to be an architect. Okay. Architect me. I always liked puzzles. I liked Legos. I liked building stuff. And, and they make pretty good money if you can actually become an architect. So I thought that would be a great idea. And then one day, as a high school student, I decided to visit a college and see how an architectural student lives on a regular day. And here's what I found. I started to hear stories from the architectural students that I was following about professors who would take projects that you had worked on for months, these models that you had built, and how they would just start breaking pieces off and telling you it was wrong after you had spent months and hours and hours and hours doing these things. And as I walked through and followed these college students, I was shown labs where they do their work. And what I noticed in those labs is there were beds, there were cots, and there were couches. And I found out very quickly that a lot of those students, they didn't even go home at night because they were so engrossed and caught up with the amount of work they had to do that they slept right there in the lab. And you know what I decided today? I didn't want to be an architect anymore. Because for me, it wasn't worth the cost. Number one, if I make something and somebody walks in and starts breaking pieces off, I'm likely to break something off of them, okay? Not so well. And, and I didn't want to give up nights and not even be home because I was working in a lab. So I changed my idea of my major. I decided to become an electrical engineer. Now, let me tell you something. There's still some really late nights if you decide to become an engineer in labs. You can ask Miss Kathleen because we were married when I was pursuing that degree. And there were many nights that she would bring myself and my friends who were working on these projects dinner because we were in the lab so late. I never slept there, thank goodness. But here's what I decided. In thinking through all of those different things, by the time I got to the idea of an electrical engineer, I decided it was worth the cost. As an architect, I wasn't willing to pay the price. I didn't want to do the things that were required to do that. But as an engineer, okay, that, that's worth it to me. So that's what I pursued. That's the degree I got. That's what I did for a decade before I started working for a church as a pastor. And, and let's be honest, that made pretty good money too. Not as good as an architect, but it still made pretty good money. But you see, the reason I say all of that is because at some point, you're going to have to make that decision. What, what do I want to be? And, and am I willing to pay the cost? Is it worth it to become that thing? That's true in every area of your life. For a career that you have, or if you pursue playing a sport, or if, if you one day have a family, or, or all of these different things, you have to decide, is what I'm about to pursue worth what it's going to cost me? And the same thing is true with God. Because if you decide that you're going to pursue God, if you're going to have a relationship with Him, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, there's a cost and you have to decide is it worth paying the cost and that's what we're going to talk about this week that's this whole idea of be one what we're talking about this week is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and those three different things we're going to look at over the next three nights is tonight this idea of being one is do you want to be one let's start right there do you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and the second one we're going to look at tomorrow is is it worth the cost 
Is it, is it worth what it's going to cost you to be a disciple? And the last one we're going to look at is, is it worth what you're going to gain as a disciple of Jesus Christ? And what we're going to do as we walk through this, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 16. So if you've got your Bibles tonight, go ahead and open those up. It's the second book in the New Testament, no, first book in the New Testament. I need to get my head straight. Matthew chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, there's blue ones right back there on that black table. Go grab one of those or Mr. Corey will hand you one of those. If you're brave, he'll throw one at you, but he might hit you in the head. So be careful with that. Matthew chapter 16. That's where we're going to tonight. And what we're going to see as we walk through this is we're going to see Jesus talking to his disciples. In Matthew chapter 16, the, the chapter just before this, what's going on before we jump into this, is what you need to know is that Jesus has had some interactions with the religious leaders of that day in that area. Now the religious leaders at that time, the, these were men that were supposed to be following God and helping everyone else follow God. That, that's what their role was. That's what they were supposed to be doing. However, many of them spent more time watching people and making sure people followed the laws instead of pointing them towards God. They were more concerned with the, the legalistic rituals and, oh, you did this on a day you weren't supposed to do that, and you can't do this the way you're doing that because that's not what the law said. So these guys tend to have conflict with Jesus because Jesus is pointing people towards God. And Scripture tells us that, that Jesus has, has done a miracle. He's fed thousands of people with just a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. And he's done this miracle in feeding all of these people. And right after that, these religious leaders come to him and say, Jesus, if you're really God, give us a sign. Now, you kind of think he just gave them a sign. He just did this miracle. But they come to him and they say, give us a sign. And basically, Jesus looks at him and he says, no, I'm not going to do that. If, if you don't catch what I just did, if you didn't think that was a sign, I'm not going to do anything else for you. And after he has that interaction with them, he goes to his disciples who were standing there and, and he starts to warn them. He says, hey, you guys, my disciples, my followers, you need to be aware of the teaching that those guys are sharing because they're, they're not pointing people towards me. They're not pointing people towards God. And that's where we pick up in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. And I'm going to ask you guys to do what I ask you to do every time we read a chunk of scripture. I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word, okay? We're going to go from verse 13 all the way to verse 20. Here we go. Read along with me on the screen or in your Bible. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. Again, we thank you that we can come together and that we can spend time in your presence and in your word, God. And I pray again that we'll be different because we've been around you tonight, God, because we've been in your presence and we've been in your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. 
So we've got this scene set. Jesus has done the miracles. The religious leaders have asked for another one. Jesus has said no. And he said, disciples, beware of their teaching. And then he starts to talk to them there. And let's just walk back through what he says. It says again in verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that, I, that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, again, to give you a little background of what's going on here, this area called Caesarea Philippi, that has been a center of worship. But it's not been a center of worship for God. It's been a center of worship for an idol by the name of Baal. And then there was another time, uh, another period, it was a center of worship for a Greek god by the name of Pan. And actually during this time, when this conversation is going on, it's actually the worship is centered around the Caesar the guy who's in charge of Rome and, and most of the known world at that time. So Jesus is asking this question in a place. He's saying, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say that I am? He's asking in a place where most people are not necessarily likely to say Jesus because they've been worshiping all of these other false gods or even the Caesar. And this matters to us because Jesus would have been likely just been another option among all of the other things or idols that they could have worshipped. And what the disciples do here when they answer this, they give the opinions that other people hold about who Jesus is. He says, so, or they say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or just one of the prophets. They're just saying, hey, this is what everybody else is saying Jesus is. And here's the interesting thing about that. A lot of people will give you a very similar answer today. When you ask them, who, who is Jesus? They'll say, well, he was a healer, or he was a great teacher, or he was a prophet, or, or he was a good man. But it's all opinions, not based on fact. Because none of that is based on a personal knowledge of who Jesus is. It's, it's like this, okay? How many of you know who LeBron James is? All right. How many of you can tell me something about LeBron James? Basketball player, okay? He's tall. Miss Corey? Played professional basketball right out of high school, okay? He's not as good as Michael Jordan. We're not getting into that debate tonight. Anyway, was that what you were going to say? Go ahead. Say it anyway. That's Jordan. That's Jordan. But that's okay. It's okay. But here's a question. Here's a question. How many of you know those facts because you personally know LeBron James? Not a hand in this room. That's cool. We could have asked your mom. She would have counted. That's okay. Put your hand down. See, you know things about LeBron James. You know him personally. You get out of the room. All right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But everybody else in the room, you don't know him. You know facts. You know opinions. But you don't know him. And that's, that, that matters because that's exactly what's happening here. What Jesus is doing is he's setting the stage for his next question. He's saying, hey, disciples, tell me who everybody else says that I am. But then what he does is in the very next question, he goes from tell me what everybody else knows to tell me who you think I am. He makes it a personal question. In fact, that's what he says right there in verse 15. He said to them, but who do you 
say that I am. And it's Peter that speaks up. It's Peter that shows us that as we talk about this idea of being one, what does it look like to be a disciple from the very beginning? We've got to know what it looks like if we want to be one. We should know what we're getting into. The first thing Peter shows right here is that a disciple has a personal saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Look at Peter's response in verse 16. Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living Jesus has made that question personal and Simon takes it personally and Simon answers it personally. Not just, hey, tell me who everybody around you thinks I am. He says, who do you say that I am? Who do you say in your life, who is Jesus to you? And what's, what's, what strikes me here is that Peter is the one to answer. If, you, if you've ever read any of the Gospels, um, what you find out really quickly is that did you guys... Don't name names, but how many of you have that like one friend that when you're asking a question or you're making a statement, they will answer the question before you finish or the statement for you? Anybody got a friend like that? Okay. If you're not raising your hand, you may be that friend. Just giving you a warning there. But that's 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 who Peter is among the disciples. If anybody's going to cut Jesus off, if anybody's going to jump ahead without all the information, it's going to be Peter. Because as you follow Peter throughout the Gospels after this, you see Peter, when Jesus is arrested, Peter's the one who grabs one of the guards' swords and cuts off the guard's ear. When when Jesus is on trial, when Jesus is about to be crucified, Peter is the one that we see there in the middle of the action. Now, granted, he denies Jesus. We'll talk about that later. But Peter's the one that's there involved in what's going on. When Jesus shows up after his resurrection. Peter is the one who jumps out of the boat and walks on water when nobody else does. Peter is the guy who just goes with that gut feeling, I know what's right and I'm going to do it and I'm going to spit out the answer and I'm going to take the action. That's who's answering this question right here. And one thing we learn about Peter is we read through the Gospels and see the way that he interacts with people and with Jesus and the other disciples is we understand very quickly that Peter's answer is what it is because he has a personal saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the reason that matters for us is because every single one of us has to answer that same question that Jesus asked his disciples. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? Is he just somebody that you hear about in church every week? Is he some guy that that lived a long time ago and and yeah, he's a great moral teacher. Maybe he, he made some pretty cool predictions that came true later about his death and things like that. Or or is he your savior? Is he the one that died on the cross for your sin? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? That's a question every single one of us has to answer because Scripture tells us there will come a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And you have to decide, am I going to confess now or am I going to wait till it's forced upon me? That's the question that Jesus is asking the disciples when you choose now, when you make the choice to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, to put your faith and trust in Him right here, right now, 
you get to be one. You get to be a disciple. You get to have that saving personal knowledge of who Jesus is. And then when you do that, other things begin to happen in your life as a disciple. For instance, this, in the very next verse, we learn a disciple is the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at what happened here in this next interaction. Verse 17, and Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus says, Peter, good job, but you did not figure this out on your own. It's, it's, not, Peter's, it's not because Peter's a genius. Peter does not have this high IQ and he was just able to know Sherlock Holmes it out and watch all the clues and go, oh, Jesus, son of God, I saw that before anybody else did. Jesus said, that's, that's not how we figured it out. What he says, it's God that revealed it through Peter and he did it through the work of the Holy Spirit because that's how God works in the life of a disciple. Scripture shows us that time and time again, the only reason we can and will know anything about God is because God uses the Holy Spirit to work in our lives as disciples to know who God is. There's a couple examples. John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus talking. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets and they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, who believes has eternal life. What he's saying there is if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you put your faith and trust in him, you didn't do that because you're so intelligent or so into. God is. You did that because God used the Holy Spirit in your life to draw you to himself. That's how God works. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of a disciple. And then God begins to teach you using the Holy Spirit. It tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. It says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Verse 7, But we impart a hidden wisdom from God which God decreed before the ages of our glory for our glory none of the rulers of this age understood this for if they had they would not have crucified the Lord of glory but as it is written what no eye has seen nor ear has heard nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him verse 10 these things God us through the spirit for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Jesus is speaking truth that the only way you can know God, the only way you can grow in your relationship with God, the only way you can ever understand anything about God is the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus is speaking truth to Peter here. And it's truth for every disciple. <laughs> you guys, if you sit here tonight and you're with Jesus, even if you're not, let me tell you something. You're awesome. You're not so awesome that you can understand anything of God on your own. It takes God using the Holy Spirit in your life 
as a disciple means you've put your faith and trust in Him. You've asked God to forgive you of your sin through what Jesus Christ did on the cross, and you're going to follow Him with the rest of your life. The Holy Spirit works in you to teach you about God, to help you learn what it looks like to honor God, to live life as a disciple, to be one. And the last thing that we hear in this passage about the life of a disciple is that the disciple never stops growing. Look at what it says in verse 18, Matthew chapter 16. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Jesus tells Peter right here, Peter, you got work to do. And if you read on in the New Testament, if you follow what happened, you find out very quickly that he is a leader in the early church. You know, as, as, as we talked about earlier, you, you start to see Peter, he takes action. And because of that boldness, it, it gives him the courage to speak out about Christ. There's one point in time where, where Peter and John, they're on trial. And they're told, hey, you can go. We're not going to punish you anymore. But when you leave, don't say another word about who Jesus is. And they speak up and say, you can tell us what you want to tell us, but as for us, we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. They say, we're not going to stop telling people about Jesus. That's the boldness that Peter has, and it's that same boldness that caused him to answer right here in Matthew chapter 16. But right here at this moment, Jesus, Peter still needed to grow. As I said before, through the rest of the gospel, you find out real quick that Peter was still very rash. When Jesus is arrested, Peter's the one that grabs that sword, cuts off the guard's ear. He acts quickly, not always thinking about his actions because what Jesus does is Jesus takes the ear and miraculously puts it back on the guy, undoing what Peter had done. Peter is the one who shows up at the trial of Jesus and three times they say, hey, aren't you with that guy that's about to be crucified? And three times Peter says, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never seen that guy. It's the same guy that just confessed him as the Christ, the Son of God. Peter still had growing to do, just like every one of us does. It doesn't matter how long, if you call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how long you follow God, there will never come up in your life where you can close your Bible and say, I got it all figured out. I've arrived. I don't need to read this anymore. Number one, I've got the whole thing memorized. Number two, I do everything that it says, so everything's going to be good from here on out. There will never come a day in your life that that happens. Because the disciple is always growing. In fact, we're going to get into it tomorrow night, but Jesus tells them not to tell people who he is, because as soon as he does, Peter starts to argue with him about it. Because Peter still needs to grow. As a, as a disciple, we are called to continuously God's Word. We're called to continuously try to understand what it says. Let the Holy Spirit work in us and continue to grow in who God has called us to be. But Scripture says, look right here, it is active and alive. And it's the very depth of our heart and our soul. And it shows us 
who God is and who we are. And as you spend time doing that, you understand your desperate need for Him every single day. Every day. So a disciple never stops growing. All of this is part of what it means to be one. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the question you have to answer tonight is do you want to be one? Do you want to be a disciple? I'm not talking about, yeah, I'm going to show up at church on Sunday. I may even bring my Bible. I may even learn all the words to the song and then go home or go to school or go to work when you leave church and nothing different about your life. You live like everybody else who didn't go to church and didn't learn anything about God that day. I'm talking about you actually want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do you want to live a life that honors Him? Do you want to follow Him on a daily basis? Let's start back at the beginning. Do you have a personal saving knowledge of Jesus in your own life? Has there ever been a moment where you've understood that you're a sinner? We all are. And Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sin. Scripture tells us that. You can't pay the price owed for your own sin. That's what the whole Old Testament sacrificial system is about. God gave people ways to make payment, to atone for their sin. And guess what? Once they did it one time, they had to do it again. And they had to do it again and again and again. Because it was never good enough. Because we can't pay the price for our own sin. It takes God acting on our behalf. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus gave his life on a cross to pay the debt that Scripture says is owed for our sin. And then three days later, Jesus rose from a tomb. And he conquered sin. And he conquered death. And he gives anyone that would call on him, anyone that would put their faith and trust in him, he gives them forgiveness. He gives them the opportunity to live following him learning what it looks like to honor Him. Because let me let you in on a secret. Whatever it is you want to be when you grow up, that's not what you were created for. That's maybe what you do, but you were created to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You were created to have a personal, saving knowledge of who Jesus is. So my question to you again tonight is, do you want to be one? And in a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to start singing. And if you've got questions about that, or you want to be one, you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you want to ask Him to forgive you tonight and follow Him with the rest of your life, you can do that right where you're sitting, or you can grab any of the adults in this room if you have questions, and they would love to talk to you about that and help you understand what that looks like. But you have to answer the same question that Jesus asked. Who do you say that I am? You have to decide if you want to be one because nobody else can make that choice for you. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you that we can come here. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And God, I pray right now that as we stand to sing, God, if there's anybody in this room tonight that has never made that decision to put their faith and trust in you, God. Do what you tell us in your word that only you can do, God. Show them who you are right now.
God, we ask that you would help them understand the depths of their sin. God, I pray right now, help us to be one, each one of us. Help each one of us to answer that question. 